All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Friday to those of you who may be joining us for the live stream today. I hope your week has been a great one. I hope you are also looking forward to a maybe even better weekend. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Mix of work and fun and relaxation. Uh, maybe a bit of World Cup for those of you that are fans. Going to be watching some of that as well. So looking forward to a good weekend. Um, if you are live streaming with us today, please don't be shy. Make sure to join in the conversation. You can ask questions, comment. I joke that you can send us funny emojis too. If you just want to give us a hard time, you can do that. Uh, but please be part of the conversation because that is one of the major benefits of this live stream is to actually have the opportunity to interact with a guest. I love listening to a podcast in the car, but sometimes I'll literally turn off a podcast and respond to the question of the topic at hand out loud. I'd love the opportunity to engage in the conversation. Um, and so I want you to do the same thing. Please take advantage of that. For those of you that are listening to the audio version after the fact, please come join us. If you follow us at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, I'll pop it up on the screen there. Um, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream and, um, and come join it. Come join the conversation. I hope you'll do that. All right. Enough of the uh, intro monologue here. I want to introduce a brand new guest on the podcast today. Kari Bjorn is with me. Kari, thank you for coming to hang out. I'm really excited about this. We're having a good conversation before we get started. I appreciate you being part of the podcast today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here too and, uh, and jump into this uh, topic that we're going to discuss. Thank you. Yeah, well, it, it, we were teasing it a little bit, and I'll just go ahead and set it up for anybody who may not have seen the, the title or the headline coming into the show today, but we're going to be talking about, I, I titled it The Best Way to Book More Weddings, and obviously that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, and yet I'm actually following what Kari was, was uh, sharing with us in his application and communication with us prior to the episode, and I'll leave it sitting there for just a second. We're going to come back to what that methodology is here in just a few minutes, but Kari, will you take a few minutes first and just introduce yourself to our audience? Let them little let them learn a little bit about you and and your brand as well. Sure. Yeah, my name is Kari Bjorn. Uh, I'm originally from from Iceland, and I've been in the U.S. now for about ten years or so. I've been shooting for twelve, uh, but I've been a wedding and portrait photographer uh, in most recently Fayetteville in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, I've been shooting weddings and, and portraits for about three years now. Uh, my specialty is providing energetic and, and vibrant imagery to fun-loving couples. Well, on that note, uh, Kari, I want to pull up your website here. So for anybody who's not live streaming, can't see this, make sure you go to Kari, K-A-R-I, Bjorn, B-J-O-R-N.com. We'll link to this, of course, in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But Speaking of vibrant and energetic, that that opening banner image is exactly that really intense image. And uh, you're going to want to go check that out at KariBjorn.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. Also, make sure you follow Kari at KariBjorn, just like I spelled it out, except with an underscore on Instagram. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com as well. And Kari, we're going to, before we get into this topic today, I just want to say hello to Sue, actually, who's on YouTube. Hi from Sun Valley. Sue, thanks for chiming in, saying hey. And uh, Andres as well, saying hello again. Thanks for chiming in, Andres. And for the rest of you that are live streaming with us, there's a bunch, actually. Don't be shy. Say hello. Comment. Ask questions on the topic at hand. Because this is actually really an interesting one. And, and as Kari and I were talking before we got started today, an under-discussed topic. And I'll go ahead and set the conversation up here. We're going to talk a little bit about leveraging 
proposals, pho photographing proposals for the sake of building a wedding photography business. And um, maybe, Kari, I, there's so many different directions we could start this conversation from, but you actually, you made the comment that wedding photographers don't emphasize landing proposal jobs enough. And maybe we can kind of start there. Give a little bit of context to that statement for our listeners, if you will. For sure. <clears throat> um, so I'm just going to talk basically from, from my market perspective. And I assume that this rings true in, in many other markets across the United States, but uh, specifically medium sized markets. Uh, proposal photography just really hasn't been a thing for that long. Um, most of the articles that I've searched on Google, they are, you know, five, six years old, where they start to talk about the phenomenon of proposal photography. Mm. And when I look at my peers here in Northwest Arkansas, some of them have like a blog post about a proposal that they photographed four years ago. And nobody's really targeting a market that is, in my opinion, going to be booming in the next few years, especially with just the rise of social media and, you know, our sort of innate need to put everything, all the biggest moments of our lives on Instagram and TikTok and, and whatnot. And I think proposals are just going to grow in popularity as a content in the next few years. So us as wedding photographers, we kind of should probably be capitalizing on the popularity that this, this genre is, is becoming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're going to talk specifically about how to go about doing that. I did want to say hi to Katrina cross photography is saying hello from YouTube. Hey, Katrina, thanks for chiming in as well. Again, for the rest of you that are on here, don't be shy, say hello. And ultimately do join the conversation as we get into this, ask questions, comment on your experience. And actually I would love to hear for those of you that are live streaming, tell me if you've had experience photographing proposals, if you've heard, if they're popular in your marketplace, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this conversation as we get into it. And I'll bring some of those comments into the conversation as well. Kari, I, I mentioned this to you before we got started, uh, but I didn't have any experience, unfortunately, photographing proposals during my wedding photography career. I shot for about a decade. And I mean, the idea is certainly appealing. It was not, it was certainly not something that was popular at the time in the Chattanooga market, for example. I think you're absolutely right that it's become more and more popular, and yet it's still not something that you hear photographers actively talking about it. You'll see them post mm -hmm. it every once in a while. Um, I, you know, whereas we might go to workshops for wedding photography or engagement photography, there's not a lot of intentional discussion specifically around proposal photography either, and especially as it relates to how we can leverage that for the sake of building our wedding photography business. So I love that we're getting into a topic here that is under-discussed, and I appreciate you kind of leading the conversation in that regard. Do you have any idea, say, what percentage of couples have their proposals photographed? I know you said you were doing a little bit of research in the market, trying to understand this proposal photography space. Any, any idea what that number might be? I honestly have no idea. Okay, I, no worries. Like, I can only go off of like what I what I see on. I, I mean, my my sort of platform of choice is Instagram because that's the only social media channel that I can possibly stay on and, and actually actually do a good job on mm. but i follow a lot of accounts on on instagram that publish proposal content exclusively video and still images and these these you know these um these uh these people have you know millions of followers and mm. their content gets a lot of eyes so i can imagine that um with the popularity of of this 
you know, the percentage of proposals that are photographed is only going to go up from now. And I did look at some numbers before, before talking to you today, Nathan, and there are about 1.8 million proposals in the United States every year on average. Um, and I was looking at my own market here in or Northwest Arkansas, uh, which is about 0.3% of the population of the United States. Wow. <laughs> and that brought me to the number that there are about 5,400 proposals that happen every year in my mm. marketplace. That's about 15 a day. Wow. Um, I don't know how many of those are actually photographed, but um, I think if you put up an article or you put up some sort of a marketing package on your website or your Instagram or any other social media that you're on, actively trying to get those potential clients to come to you, I think you're going to do pretty well in just your photography business. And then you get to actively market and promote your own brand to those people yeah. after they're engaged. Uh, it's a compelling conversation and argument for sure. And Katrina says, yes, I have captured quite a few surprise proposals. And and I know I've heard photographers speaking more about this. I, again, I'm a little bit jealous because I've never had the opportunity to photograph one. I think it would be really incredible. I will say, and I, I'm curious to get your take on this. It feels like if, if you're going to have, in fact, when we were talking before we started the live stream today, you mentioned something about the tendency or that you felt like photographing something like a proposal might be more fitting for a non-professional photographer or camera or maybe even a photographer like where we're get capturing something with a phone for example it's a little bit less intrusive or less obvious but i'm curious mm -hmm. how you're able to photograph these proposals without it being too contrived um, i'm sure you're hiding out you know in the background somewhere so they can't, you can't be seen but i also know that like it as like let's say i was to propose to somebody I would probably have it in the back of my mind that somebody's photographing me at the same time, you know? So like, how do you make this proposal happen or photograph this proposal without the whole setup being too contrived or forced or, or otherwise? Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what I, um, what I offer to my clients are basically two plans or, or two sort of routes that they can take with me. Um, one is the completely candid route where I'm, you know, hiding in the bushes, I'm shooting from the parking lot, from, from my car, wherever I can sort of have a great angle and use my 200 millimeter lens. Uh, and that sort of starts, um, this route really starts when they book with me. Um, we have a phone call. They may or may not have a location that they want to go with. They may not, or they may or may not have like what they're going to do afterwards. But usually during um, my meetings with, with my clients, they sort of have a rough ed, like rough idea of, of what they want to do. And I have on my website um, a complete list of romantic and sort of intimate locations here in, in my marketplace yeah. that they can choose from. Or I also always ask them as well, like, do you have a restaurant that you had on your first date? You know, is there a building that, you know, you went to when you two went to school together? Is there something you know, that is really unique to your relationship that you want to have as your location. And then we sort of build from that. And um, on the day of the proposal, um, I'm really just on text with the person and we've predetermined what location that they're going to go for. And I show up about 10 to 15 minutes early to do some light testing and get my get my frame right. And then it's basically just a waiting game. Um, 
usually they show up with their partner, like really nicely dressed. And, you know, I'll sort of wait out in, in the bushes for lack of a better term. But uh, and then once the proposal happens, I, you know, sort of shoot, um, shoot the actual moment happening. And then I start running to get a little bit closer and photograph <laughs> sort of over the guy's shoulder yeah. to capture the reaction of the ring being put on on the finger. Okay. And that's sort of like route number one that I offer. Uh, but the second one is a little bit more, I guess, I would call it more intimate. Hey, but Kari, I just, call just so it you know, as, as you're talking, if you bounce, if you touch that, that cord, it's the, the mic is picking it up. So just watch out for the cord as you're talking, if you will. Got it. Yeah, please continue. Thank you. No worries. Yeah, so my, my second route is, is basically a photo shoot that is camouflaged um, as just a regular couple's photo shoot that then turns into a proposal. Mm. So um, my client can, you know, um, propose, uh, pun definitely not intended on that one, to their, to their partner that they want um, to hire a photographer because they have empty wall space and they want to want to print off themselves on the wall. Um, right. the holiday cards are coming up. Um, they want photos to put in an album. They mm. want to give themselves uh, a photo shoot with their, with their partner as a birthday present, or they want to give a photo shoot to them as a birthday present. There are numerous, um, excuses you can find to, to, um, a photographer without sure. it being super suspicious and i like this route a lot better because i get to show up i get to you know have uh, a 15 to 20 minute portrait session with a couple before and then sort of you know 15 to 20 minutes into it i turn to the partner and i say like hey y'all look really beautiful right now uh let me get some headshots you know let's just you know you'll, you'll come out of this session with you know beautiful couples portraits but you also get a headshot for LinkedIn and your website and whatever, you know, we always need an updated headshot. So I pull, pull the partner to the side and I have her like looking at into the gazing into the, into the sky and, or the trees or whatnot. And that gives the, my client, you know, 15 to 20 seconds to get down mm. on knee, pull out the ring, get okay. in, in position. And I've led them to the spot that we predetermined was like the right spot that the guy chose. And I'll do a couple of headshots and I'll move back and, and tell her to turn around and, and then the magic kind of happens. And I like those pictures a lot better because I get mm. to shoot those with a 35 millimeter. I'm mm. right there. Um, it's, you know, the photos are going to come out like you were there in mm -hmm. the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so There's I probably also less of a chance better. of you coming off looking really creepy from with a 200 millimeter lens in your car <laughs> hiding out in the parking <laughs> lot. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I was I was kind of amused just thinking about that initially. And then when you were talking about running to catch up with them, when you see the proposals start to happen, I was like, oh, man, that that like makes it that further exacerbates the whole scenario. Like you imagine somebody watching from the sidelines, had no idea this was about to happen. They look over to the parking lot and there's Kari with like hiding behind the window of his car with this 200 millimeter lens. And suddenly he pops out and he starts running to this couple. And they're like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> But yeah, I, I can see how, in fact, Andres actually commented. He said, I haven't shot a proposal yet, but the second option makes more, more sense to me. And I'm, I'm sure we could go either way and make create really beautiful images. 
Um, but nonetheless, this is a compelling conversation and it's nice to have a little bit of perspective as to how you approach that. I appreciate that. Katrina said, never just marketed for that. It's a great idea. She said, I'm adding proposal to my website. So you've already inspired people to make change. And the cool thing, Katrina, is we're going to actually talk very specifically about how Kari uses this to set up conversation for the sake of potentially booking this couple for wedding photography. So we'll get to that in just a second. Kari, as you were talking, I did pull up the blog post uh, that you mentioned on your website. Can you give a little bit of context to that blog post? And maybe you're going to talk more about it as we get into the conversation, but are you using that blog post as a way to market to couples? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I haven't been doing this for, for, for too long. And um, really just about a year ago, I started getting uh, really heavily into SEO and how to like, you know, just sort of pull, put my brand and my name at the top of Google and how to sort of cast my net as, as wide as possible. Mm -hmm. And throughout all the sort of content um, and articles that I read on, on SEO for photographers and wedding photographers in particular, there seemed to be this sort of um, notion that it all starts with the venue. Um, you know, most couples get engaged and the first thing that they do in the sort of buying cycle or the wedding experience, if you will, is that they start looking for a venue because they can't book other vendors before they have a date. And in order to have a date, they have to have a venue. So all the sort of um, marketing um, advice that I read and I consumed for, for myself was that you need to have a venue guide on your website because that's how people are going to find you before they even know that you're looking for a photographer. And in my sort of strategy for, for my own marketing endeavors. I thought, well, how do we get earlier? How do we get, you know, past this venue uh, threshold that, you know, most people advocate for? And I think shooting proposals is actually getting, you, you're, you're putting yourself on the radar of a couple in person before they're even engaged. Mm -hmm. You know, you have, you have a client well, half of the couple, uh, the guy knows he's probably going to be engaged soon, but the other person doesn't know. So you're already this exclusive photographer that will kind of, I think, automatically be in the top three to shoot that eventual wedding. Yeah. Um, and for, you know, because people don't really get engaged and immediately start planning, there's like always, you know, a month or two or three or four or five, whatever you will where they're not actively planning the wedding, you get to have exclusive marketing opportunities to that couple through mm -hmm. emails, through Instagram, or just, you know, meeting them at the, at the grocery store, so to say. Um, so I but think you're a step ahead in that funnel though, right? Because you're, you're absolutely exactly. right. Everybody gets so obsessed with the idea of relationships with the venue. There might be conversations about relationships with the coordinators as well. That's something I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast because that, sure. that brought a lot of benefit for my business. But we could be multiple steps potentially ahead of both of those things in that so-called funnel if we're able to reach that couple before they even get to that, that stage where they're just simply, they're engaged. And that's the thing they're excited about. They're getting ready to, to get engaged. That's what they're excited about. That's what they're thinking about. And you literally can head off every other conversation by being the photographer there present for that proposal, which is 
quite fascinating thought. And, and I, I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not even thinking about this. Like it's such a, in some ways it seems almost like an obvious thing, but, but yet we see so few photographers leveraging and especially as intentionally as you are trying to set up the conversation then for wedding photography, you mentioned that you attract mostly male clients and mm -hmm. where in, in a world, of course, there are always exceptions, including same sex couples, but we're in a world where I would probably venture that 75 to 80% of the conversations when it comes to photographing a couple after the proposal, planning for wedding photography, maybe even for engagement photography happens with a female, you're interacting mo more so with male clients. And that's also quite interesting to me because it's, it's a little bit unusual. What does that marketing strategy look like? And what do those conversations sound like? Yeah, absolutely. I do want to mention, though, that I'm not like advocating against uh, having a fantastic relationship with the venues or the coordinators oh, sure. in your area. I think, you know, most of my traffic to my website actually comes in through my venue guide. It's okay. a lot more than, you know, um, other pages on my site. So mm -hmm. I'm not advocating against that. I'm just saying like there's there's definitely an avenue here that is is vastly underused in, in the market. Um, but speaking to talking about male clients, I, I do phrase things um, in that specific blog post a little bit differently than I do in my wedding related materials. Um, I'll use words like strategy, uh, a strategy phone call that mm. I, I want to have with with my clients. I would never use a word like strategy if I'm, you know, when I'm trying to, um, um, you know, book more weddings, so to say. It just doesn't feel right to have a strategy phone call about uh, a wedding day uh, photography. So um, I'm using that. And I'm also, um, you had, uh, what was his name? You had uh, Walid Asami on your podcast yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, great conversation. And he actually put in, put, he put things together in my mind as I was listening to it, the way that I'm trying to structure my sort of marketing message towards the guys that are mostly my clients and it's it's kind of to make that person the hero of the story you want to allow mm -hmm. that person to be the hero mm -hmm. um and this was further um actually sort of cemented i had a conversation yesterday I had a, had a potential client meeting uh conversation over zoom and uh, it was a wedding that i just booked and i asked the couple you know how was your proposal and, you know, they live in um, Indiana and they're coming down here because their parents live here. But the first thing that came out of the bride's uh, mouth was he did a good job. And that sort of really cemented that thing for me that like us guys, we really love, you know, a pat on the back. We love to be <laughs> the hero of the day. Sure. Uh, like I love to take out the trash and have my wife tell me like, hey, you did a good job. You know, thank you for that. And I don't know. We just we we love having that kind of an interaction. So I think that's my tone of voice when mm. I'm marketing to this, this clientele, as opposed to with brides, it's a little bit, I guess, softer or, you know, more about the experience and more about the comfort and more about mm. sort of, I will take care of this for you with, with this clientele. It's more about steps, bullet points. And like, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do after that. This is where you're going to be, and I'm going to take it from there. Um, that's more or less, that's the difference in, in the way that I um, sort of uh, brand myself and, and market myself to these two clients. 
That makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay, so I want to dig into that just a little bit more. When are, are you running ads to guys in your marketplace, Facebook ads, YouTube, Google, et cetera, or how are you going about reaching out to these male clients? It is exclusively through this through this uh, page on my website. That's the only thing really? that has, wow. has worked for me. I haven't done any ads on, on Google or, or Facebook or Instagram for that matter. I published this article about, I would say, eight or nine months ago. And prior to this, I photographed like a proposal or two in a year, just like random inquiries that came in seemingly out of nowhere. And after I published this post, I'm doing, you know, two to three a month. Uh, just in October, I did six proposals. Wow. Um, and it's just through this article because I, there's no real competition for these search queries in my mm. market. Um, there's one other article from uh, a peer photographer who, who mentions locations, but they, they don't talk about pricing. They don't talk about, uh, you know, what how a proposal is photographed. They don't mention any of these things. It's just kind of like a location guide. So I want to mention this to, to other people here who are might be maybe in similar markets to mine, sort of like mid-sized markets where there's a really, you know, a reasonable, reasonable potential that you have no competition when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. Well, this, this beg is just a highlight uh, and major props to you for actually doing some market research. When, when we talk about brand positioning here on the podcast, I talk quite a bit about the idea of even just simple market. We can market research sounds very official and maybe a little stuffy, but it's really just as simple in many cases as doing some simple Google searches. Um, yeah. You know, when a case of brand positioning, for example, I just say, hey, if, if it's a Chattanooga photographer um, and they're wanting to go into wedding photography, I search Chattanooga wedding photography and I just begin to look through the results that come up to see what other photographers are doing. And what that does is it enables me the opportunity to position myself against myself against them because photographers have a tendency of just kind of doing whatever everybody else is doing, whatever is trendy in the moment. Right. And the reality is that a business can maybe function well under that guise for a certain period of time. But if we really want to stand out more effectively, if we want to cut back on the amount of time necessary to be able to build a business, then we need to look for opportunities to truly, not just in concept, not just with a few cute words, but truly differentiate ourselves. And part of that involves looking to see what the other businesses in whatever industry that we're in are doing and what they are not doing. And then if there is a market opportunity in that area where they're not filling a particular niche, then there's an incredible opportunity for us to then go fill that niche and meet a need and potentially build our business as a result. I, I did that with Photographer's Edit, you know, five, I don't know, longer than that, six, seven years ago at least, there was this trend toward uh, subscription model. So where if, if somebody wants to pay for post-production, instead of paying an a la carte per image fee, they would go and just pay a monthly subscription fee. And that got really popular because at the outset, somebody, a photographer sees that and they're like, oh, that's so cheap. Awesome. Yeah, click subscribe. You know, I'm going to sign the contract. And the reality is there, first of all, the business model was very broken and I won't bore everybody with it. But when you start to dig into the numbers, it didn't really make sense from a financial standpoint, these companies, it was obviously at least one case in particular, a numbers grab. But we, we looked at the what was going on in the industry. We took a step back. We looked at the big picture, what we were trying to achieve, what our brand was about. And we decided instead of following suit to 
maintain an a la carte price point, to maintain flexibility without contract. And that put us in a really great place on multiple levels. And we're still trending this year to actually have our biggest year yet. The other thing that we did was when other companies were, were going with a more custom approach where that was the focus, we approached it from a much simpler uh, standpoint and we, we focused on classic post-production. When the industry started to go to a simpler approach under the guise of that subscription model and, and cheaper and less options, we turned that we shifted the paradigm and we went with a custom approach. So always looking for opportunities to be able to position ourselves what against what's going in on in the industry, as long as there's a market demand for it, I think it's super intelligent. And I think you're a wonderful example of doing this and way more photographers need to follow suit, not just with proposal photography, obviously, but in general, be aware of what's mm -hmm. going on in your marketplace and go the other direction. Don't just do the same thing everybody else is doing. I completely agree. I, I, I really agree with that. I, I think um, I think it's really, really dangerous to fall in, into trends. Uh, and it's really easy to spot these trends right now, um, especially, you know, we have social media and all of that. And I, 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 you know, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, really. I think yeah. it's really dangerous to to jump on, jump on a trend and, and put, have, have that trend or that look or that message be sort of like the main thing that your business is about. Mm. Um, yeah. I think, I think awareness is so key. And again, for those of you that don't tend toward, you know, structure and business planning and so forth, uh, that's a much broader conversation, but I will say at the very least, something like awareness, market awareness really is as simple as taking 20, 30 minutes even, and just doing a Google search and being aware of what's going on around you and mm -hmm. making decisions not to follow suit. And I will say I'm even guilty too. Like back back in the day when I didn't had no idea what I was doing and I was pricing myself, part of the way that I was pricing myself was just looking at what the market was doing. And that's such a blind, very ignorant way of approaching the conversation. Maybe that's a little harsh, not necessarily ignorant because we have to be aware again of what how the market is, is pricing themselves. But my suggestion now would not only be to understand what my actual financial needs are and pricing myself accordingly, but then also look at the market behavior and not necessarily follow suit because everybody else is doing it, but maybe even look for an opportunity to do something different. Uh, I've been talking for years, Kari, about the fact that so many photographers tend to go to the high end, the mid to high end uh, price point, let's say, you know, two to $4,000 and, and above. And mm -hmm. some might say $2,000, that's not high end. But when you look at market data, the reality is that the majority of the marketplace sits under that $2,000 mark when it comes to wedding photography. So everybody's talking about going to the mid to high end level, top 20, 30% of the market. And the reality is there's this huge opportunity for that low end segment to serve right. clients who just simply don't have the money for $5,000 wedding photography actively. Right. But but again, photographers tend to follow trends. And so they go this particular direction and kind of assume that that's really the only major option they, they can go with where there's massive opportunity elsewhere. So market research is huge. And, and I, I don't want to park here too long, but I do have one other question for you in regards to that. You talked about doing some research and, and becoming aware of the number of proposals in your area. Are you using a particular resource for that that other photographers might be able to tap into? Yeah, Google. Uh, Perfect. Know, okay. The, pow the power, the power of Google. Uh, I think, uh, I think the, the website is called wedding report. Yes. Um, that's a very valuable resource. Uh, if you want to yeah. look at numbers and, and get numbers straight for your marketplace and you can adjust them for your marketplace. I think, uh, for the market that I am in, there are a lot of young professionals, uh, a lot of 20 something year olds, a lot of 30 year olds here. Uh, there are huge two, there are three 
huge companies with headquarters in this area. So they, you know, obviously attract a lot of a lot of people who are unmarried and, you know, kind of getting their start in life. So uh, I think this 15 proposals a day that I mentioned earlier could even be higher in this my particular market. But mm. I, I don't have like concrete evidence about that. I also wanted to talk um, sort of jump jump off your uh, off your, your comment about budget and, and mid mid range and luxury. I think when it comes to proposal photography, there is no budget option. Um, it tends to just not exist because already when when people have decided to propose, at least when they come to me with the idea that they want to have it photographed, they've already spent an X amount on a fancy dinner reservation. They've already spent an X amount on a weekend getaway, tickets to the football game at like in the best seats, um, whatever you name it. Like there's already been this X amount of money that has been spent already before they even think about having it photographed. So there really isn't, you know, at least in my experience, I haven't had any like true budget uh, leads so far. Uh, and I think that's something to, to consider that mm-hmm. um, you can really sort of price yourself kind of nicely when you're doing this because um, photography comes in at a different stage with proposals as, as opposed to weddings. People tend to hire photographers pretty early on in the wedding planning process. With proposals, I've noticed everything else seems to be done and planned. At least they have an idea or like they've booked this vacation that they're having here. They've booked the Airbnb that they're going to stay in. They've booked the theater show that they're going to. Like everything else has been sort of paid for already when they come to me. Um, So people have like the guys have already allotted an X amount, not to mention the engagement ring, so to say. So for my clients to to even consider photography, they they already have sort of a reasonable amount of money that they've already spent and already put in to this um, to their day. So I don't think you know people. You don't. I don't really run into anybody who's looking to have it done for seventy five bucks. Um, Interesting. So, so that's, that's good. Kind of, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that there's like no. Not that I've noticed, like no budget market in in this in this niche. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, at the very least, I, I certainly want to highlight the wedding report. You mentioned that as a resource. Uh, the numbers that I was mentioning earlier actually come from the wedding report as well. I've been mm-hmm. purchasing their, I guess it's their annual subscription or whatever it is for years now, and um, I think it's a really great resource. Of course, we can't ever rely on just one resource, but for anybody listening in, if you haven't checked out the wedding report, make sure you do that because it is really, really healthy for us as business owners to develop a certain awareness about what's going on in our marketplace, certainly locally, and even potentially in a broader level, regionally, statewide, or even nationally, depending on what your business goals are. And that's definitely a great resource. We'll link to that in the show notes at uh, Boca Podcast as well. Let me, um, and, and actually just real quick too, Makari, for you were talking about that blog post earlier. So for anybody who's live streaming or watching the live stream, if you go to Kari, K-A-R-I Bjorn, B-J-O-R-N.com and there on that homepage, if you go to resources and then you see on the top right hand corner there, it says locations in Northwest Arkansas to propose, you click on that, um, that will allow you to see this article that Kari is talking about, give you a good point of reference as to 
how you might be able to work on your SEO through a blog article like this. Um, it, it could be a really, really powerful example, again, for uh, all of you listening in and watching. So make sure to, to leverage that. Kari, let me come back to the conversation then. I mean, we, we've talked quite a bit about the proposal process and I, I love your, your marketing approach. And very fascinating, again, to think about actually connecting more with the guys um, because that's not as commonplace in, mm -hmm. in wedding photography as much. But then when it actually comes time to think about kind of transitioning the conversation with this couple from proposal photography, let's, let's assume that they've gone ahead and hired you for that or the individual has hired you to photograph the proposal. From that point then, what does the marketing effort look like um, to convert this couple that you've photographed their proposal for, to convert them to a wedding client as well? Yeah, my approach is I, I wanna keep things, I guess, as organic and natural as possible. I hate being sold to, so I try to keep my approach in that manner as well. Yeah. Uh, what I do, do is you know I try to represent my own brand and my my own person really well during those 20 to 30 minutes right after the proposal when I have formal portraits done and we do some ring shots and you know I rotate them around for like two to three different locations in in and around the area where the proposal happened uh, so I use that time to sort of present myself to the bride so to say uh, and then right at the end of the proposal, right at the end of the shoot, so to, so to say, I'll basically tell them that, you know, I'm going to give you sneak previews as soon as I humanly can. And I will literally do that. I will hop home and, you know, I'll download the card and I'll send them like four to five pictures that they can then share. And in addition to that, I'll ask them, you know, is it okay for me to tag you on Instagram? And more than likely yes they will say say yes to that so as soon as i deliver them these sneak previews i post the pictures on my stories and i tag them there and i follow them and they usually you know they follow me back and that sets me up for a relationship where i am sort of passively i don't know if passively would be the right right word here but all the content that i'm producing just on the regular basis you know my wedding pictures and i'm posting you know links to my resources page as you just mentioned they get to see that now because we've been friends on instagram mm. and i've tagged them in the post that they then reshare all to their friends and their network as well so this is that's kind of my marketing strategy at that point i don't really go about you know a week after like just sending them my prices for for weddings I'll save I'll save that for for a few months down the line. Um, that's really? when I'll sort wow. of like send them an email like, "Hey, it was really nice working with you. You know, we had such a great time. Here are my wedding packages." Um, so I'll sort of, sort of just nurture that relationship uh, a bit passively on Instagram um, for for a few months before um, sending them my prices. And I think that's just you know that's just my personal way of, sure. of marketing myself because I I kind of don't like getting getting bombarded Same. with more marketing marketing messages yep uh, but I think what you know if, if people choose to implement uh, proposed proposal photography into into their marketing strategy I feel like you know you have three to six months where you know, couples are not actively looking for venues. They're not actively looking for, you know, photographers or videographers. And you have this sort of exclusive relationship that you can take 
in you know whatever route that you really want to go in what fits your brand hmm. so to say because you know for all I know, like I'm the only photographer that they know at that point, at least the professional one. So, you know, I have, you know, I feel like I have, you know, at least, you know, a chance of being in the top three of potential photographers that they will then hire for the wedding. For um, sure. Yeah, that's what well, I wanted. That's kind of my approach to that. Yeah. And I feel, I feel you on the not being bombarded by marketing. Um, I, I tend to shy away from that as well. In fact, I've been told, I think even multiple times now on this podcast, they're like, Nate, you need to talk about photographers edit more often <laughs> because <laughs> I have this company in the background um, and we're fortunate to have done really well as it is, but Boca was only ever meant to be, you know, kind of a soft sell. Occasionally we'll bring it up. If we get a chance to talk about it, but we will. And I've had people be like, Nate, you're going to need to actually talk about your company. <laughs> Let For them know sure. it exists. So exactly. I, but I totally get that because I, I don't like being, I'm a bit cynical at this point, especially in the photography industry, the amount of courses that photographers, just as one example, you know, courses are, that the photographers are trying to sell to other photographers. And I, and I see the, the email sequence and all of it. And of course, I see through it all because I understand how these things work. And it makes yeah. me that much more cynical. So I'm very hesitant to, to sell too hard to anybody. But um, yeah. yeah, at some point we have to we have to kind of call them to action, if you will. And you said that starts with an email. Is there a sequence? Like, do you have it planned out very strategically, or is it just as you talked about a little bit more organic in nature? It is a bit more organic in nature, and I do think I sort of cater it to um, to the little bits that I know about the couple at that point. You know, I'm obviously I'll I'll be friends with them on on Instagram, and I'll sort of see you know what kind of pictures they're posting, what their life is like. So. I guess I kind of just cater my, my marketing message after that email, basically just how that couple is. Um, it's sort of, it sort of very just depends in that sense to me. Okay. I don't have, um, I do not have a system uh, in place for that at that point. No. What would you say at this point, if you were to have to guess, like what percentage of your proposals do you convert to wedding clients? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, about 25 to 30%, I would say. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice chunk. It is pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, and I think it just comes with, you know, you have this exclusive, you know, period of time where you, you get to be, you know, the photographer that they're going to have, I think, um, before they even start looking. Uh, so it's, so it's just to sort of rewind back to that. Yeah, it, it's brilliant. And, and Andre summed it up brilliantly. He said, making the photographer top the funnel genius. Absolutely. And, and that's true. I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. Again, not one that we're hearing. Katrina had a question for you from YouTube. She said, so you price the proposal where they get all the digitals or do you sell them albums? Uh, it's a digital uh, sell at this point for me. I provide them with about 30 to 40 digital images in an online gallery. Uh, and that's, that's, that's it for me. Uh, no albums. Uh, at this point, is that me, intentional? Like, do you do you prefer to just to kind of avoid that process, or are you just trying to keep it simple? What's the intention or the thought process behind it? Um, I will say it's more about. Um, I actually haven't been that active in selling printed products until this year. I'll say okay. that. Uh, I used to do everything sort of hands on. You know, I would sell people. I'll send people. You know, PDFs like here are my prints prices here are my like eight and a half by 11 is is this much a parent album is this much and, and recently i transitioned to to pick time 
and had all that thing just kind of done for me. And mm. now I'm selling way better than than before. Just yeah. to uh, give Big Time a little bit of a, a bit of a heads up here on your podcast. But like that's um, I'm just getting into all album selling and and selling prints. Yeah. Yeah, I have. To, so I don't I've have too much up. experience with that. Well, and, but I, I again, I, I hear you. I, f I feel your pain too in that regard. Um, and I, for anybody who is live streaming, of course, you can see this here. I pulled up Pick Time. If anyone is not familiar, if you go to pic-time.com, certainly one of my favorite gallery systems out there. Number one, because of the design, it's just absolutely stunning design and, and beautiful UI. But then the other thing, um, as you were alluding to, Kari, is that they have they have begun offering this kind of uh, cooperative sales process, if you will, where they're selling your work for you. I was a part of a company or working with a company, another online gallery years and years ago when I was photographing called Pictage. They're no longer around, but they really kind of spearheaded this idea where it was kind of a one-stop shop. You could literally photograph a session. You didn't even have to color correct it. You could photograph a session, upload to the gallery. They would run an automated color correction. It wasn't great, but it, it got the work done. Um, mm -hmm. And then from that point, you post to the gallery, somebody wants to order prints and, and products, they can do that through the gallery. You don't have to be a part of that process. And then on top of that, they were running, they would run uh, email campaigns for various sales. Again, something that at the time we didn't really care to do. We, we were charging yeah. a premium for the wedding photography and then kind of wanted to be out of, you know, hands off for the rest of it. That was just our approach. I know there's yeah. plenty of money to be made being very hands-on and doing IPS, but that was just our take. But it was so nice to be working with a company like that that would help us do the heavy lifting. And my goodness, thousands of dollars in sales without us basically lifting a finger. It was fascinating to, to be a part exactly. of. So yeah, I, I think it's really cool that PickTime has, has led the way with that. I'm surprised that more companies haven't, but it's cool that there's an option out there like that. Yeah, I, I like had a really good uh, Black Friday sales with them. <laughs> Just, just to uh, give them give them more props. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just like I you know I used to do all of this by myself. You know I had all these like, you know PDFs and I'm like I'm going back to this here. So so sorry about that. But you know I just like I did all of this myself and just handing this thing over and having it professionally presented in like perfectly timed email campaigns with exceptional copy and it's just like it does all the work for you and I didn't have to lift a finger. Uh, I just collected collected on on paypal it was really nice so it's, it's really I'm definitely nice. definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna stick to that approach from now on with selling albums well that's cool and I, i'm glad that we can give them a shout out because i having a resource like that a third-party company that we can work with that can take that work off our plate in much the same way that photographers edit for example takes the editing off photographers plate have a, a gallery system that does the selling for us i, I think it's beautiful so we'll make sure to link, link to pick time in the show notes, bocopodcast.com. And just in general today, Kari, this has been a really fascinating conversation. I love that you're taking a more analytical approach to your business, a more intentional approach to your business. Um, and you're a great example, again, of, of the significance of research and how that can play a role in enabling us to be able to, to fill a niche, see a really incredible opportunity and ultimately leverage that. And I think it's been really, really wonderful food for conversation. Will you just remind our listeners here as we're closing up where they can find and follow you online, learn a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so on my website is karibjorn.com. It is K-A-R-I-B-J-O-R-N.com. Uh, that is my wedding and, and portrait photography website. And then I'm also on Instagram at karibjorn underscore. 
and I'm not as active on Instagram as I used to be, uh, but if you follow me there, I'll, I'll definitely post a story or two every single day. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we're gonna hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we all make sure that you follow uh, Kare, and I'm sure you can shoot him a DM or two and ask him questions if you have any. Thanks everybody for chiming in today, for listening, for commenting, being part of the conversation. And uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Thanks again, Kari. Thank you so much. And thank you for having this amazing resource, this resource for us photographers. Oh, it's absolutely my privilege. And, and you know, I have to add to that, too. It's, it's so wonderful to be able to have conversations like this, too. I mean, first of all, you make my job easy. Your communication style is so simple and easy to follow. And I love that. But to have these kinds of conversations where we can talk about ideas that aren't discussed enough in the industry, I think is one of the main reasons ultimately that I wanted to have this platform in the first place. So thanks again for leading the way in the conversation. And thanks again, everybody for listening in. Have a wonderful rest of your day.